Okay, so um, we're going to start on Ayin Chesamet Bey, 78b. And um, we're trying to find out what happened to the Givonim uh, who converted and were accepted. Now, we know they snuck in. We know that they lied and they got in. But once we accepted them, once they were accepted and they got in, why was it that we never let them fully assimilate? Before we were talking about Gentiles that stayed forbidden, that they couldn't come in. They couldn't marry in. And uh, we know what the Egyptians did to us, and we know what the Edomites did to us, and we know what the Moabites did to us. Um, it's interesting, the Moabites, it's not what they did to us, it's their lack of, uh, of gratitude, their inability to be kind. That, that was just so interesting, like the, uh, the Edomites only killed us, they only got three generations. You know, Egyptians threw our babies, you know, in the, in the water, they only got three generations. But the Moabites, who didn't have decency to greet us, you know, they get forever, they never come. Isn't that interesting? Like the, apparently people can kill, that's, that's natural for people to go to war and to kill other nations. But to be lacking a certain decency, uh, especially what we did for them, like, you know, that's even, it's just an interesting thing, right? Okay, so we're going through those people who can't come in. So one of those people are the Givonim. So what was the deal over there? So we're going to fight, we're in the middle of that story. So the, uh, it happened in the times of David Amalek that at that time they were, they were converts, but since they came in sneaking, they, uh, they weren't given the best jobs. They were given the, uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the water carriers, and they were given the, uh, the, the wood chopping jobs. They were given the low-end jobs because of what they did. Now, uh, what happened to them, though, was, but in theory, people could have married into them, or it, did, it wouldn't have lasted forever. But this, this was the deal that happened. So uh, at the time of David Amalek, there was a terrible famine, and people were probably dying from the uh, hunger. And uh, David was looking to figure out what happened. And so he finally asked the Urim Vitumim. And the Urim Vitumim said that part of the sin had to do with what was done with this nation, uh, with the water carriers. And um, what happened was that the water carriers uh, were um, there sustenance came from the temple service. A lot of the, um, uh, if you run, a, you run a temple or you run a mishkan, you need to have a lot of labor because you need people to bring the water, you need people to cut the wood. Uh, to have a base amigdash functioning, you needed to have a lot of the servants there. So they were the ones that uh, did the, uh, the labor and uh, they were paid. But when Shoal wiped out uh, the city of Nov, so they no longer had a livelihood. They, they basically put the base of Migdash, the Mishkan, at that time out of commission. So uh, many of them died, and there was a stain on the Jewish people that they weren't uh, taking care of these people. They didn't find them another livelihood, uh, or it wasn't resolved. But the stain was on the house of Shoal, because Shoal was the king at the time when they took away their sustenance, and then they probably had to move, they probably starved to death, there a lot of things probably happened. But the problem was that it was the house of Shoal, had, and now David, who was the new king, uh, that still hadn't resolved the mistakes that had been made. Uh, so the question was how to solve that. Now the, question, the interesting thing was, is when uh, the, the records were examined to see what 
uh, stains were on the Jewish people, so they reviewed the prior administration, uh, which was Shaul, and they found this mistake. But they also found that uh, Shaul had not been um, properly uh, um, mourned. He hadn't been properly given the respect for what he, he was the first monarch. He was the father of our country. He was the George Washington. Shaul HaMelech was the greatest, you know, was, was an amazing king. We, we, people don't know the praises of Shaul HaMelech. You know, he, he, he went to war. He gave his life of his whole family that he knew he would lose because he was a king. He, his life was for the Jewish people. And uh, there were many things he did. But so how do you know that at the same time that they mentioned the good things, they mentioned the bad? That, that's the strange part over here. In other words, the problem of the famine was two things. One, they didn't properly acknowledge the good deeds of Shoal, and they didn't properly atone for the bad deeds of Shoal. That's a strange thing. So might exceed the, the... I'm sorry, let's start three lines from the bottom. Um, you know what? Let's go a little further up just to get the... Um, uh, from the uh, seven lines from the bottom on Ayin Chesamid Beis, Bisholu and Mishmar Orim Betuin. Hashem veYomer Hashem. Hashem said, God said, what? Why was this famine here? The reason of the famine, El Shol Del Beis Adamin, because of Shol and because of the loss of life that he caused. Allah Shirhemi said Givonim, because he caused the Givonim to die. El Shol Shlo Nispet Kalacha. On Shol he wasn't properly mourned. Vel Beis Adamin Al Shirhemi said Givonim. Because he caused them to die. We don't see that Shaul actively caused the Givonim to be killed. Because he wiped out the city of the Kohanim. And the city of Nov used to provide the food and water. He was considered like he killed them. So the, the, the stain of the Jewish people and the reason why the rain wasn't coming was because they didn't properly mourn the father of our country, Sholem And because the Givonim weren't taken uh, care of. So the Morris is saying, would we do both? The Morris says, yes. Seek out Hashem, all the humble people, Asher Bemishpat Polo. The humble people, the great, amazing humble people who face judgment for their deeds. Bashir Mishpat, where there, uh, uh, there's Mishpat, where there's punishment, Sham Polo, uh, means that there's, people think that everything cancels each other out. It doesn't. You'll, you'll get rewarded for your good deeds, and if their person has bad deeds, they're in trouble. Bashir Mishpat, but Makam Shidanim Adam, even where a person is judged, it, judgment is fair. It's going to mention the bad and the good. So at the same point where the monarchy of Shoal was being judged that they didn't properly care for the Givonim, they were also judged that they did a lot of good stuff too. Hey, nobody remembered that. So that was the message David got. So Omer David, Shoal Nafiklu Tracer Yerke Shaita, at the top of today's page. Shoal had already uh, been gone over 12 months. Rashi says it was close to three years already, actually. Um, it's a fascinating Rashi. Let's take a look at that Rashi. Basically, he was saying it was too late uh, to properly mourn Shoal. Rashi, Tracy Yerke, said, Lav davka dakorav, it's like three years. This was later. Lefish, ain't derek covered lusput achar. Oh, Tlusen is 30 years. <laughs> it was, uh, this was many years after Shoal had died. 
uh, it's not respectful to say funeral speeches after 12 months have passed, because people have already accepted comfort. It's another subject what it means they've accepted comfort. To us, comfort doesn't just mean that they're okay with it. Um, the word tanchumen uh, means that uh, menachem means that they've learned to deal with it. They've moved on. A person has to move on. They have to live to a reality that that person isn't here, and they make accommodations. Part of 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 nichomavelim means that uh, until that point, they they that person played a role in their lives, and we don't it, it, nothing can fill that void. But they have to figure out how to proceed in the future. And at some point, at least after 12 months, they've, they no longer, that the person that's deceased doesn't play that big of a role in their lives. It's, uh, life goes on. And so I then... It's, it's interesting that uh, we all have this tradition that as time goes on, we say a haskara or memorial speeches for people after the different anniversaries after their passing. You can, have a, you can have a great Rav or someone mm-hmm. who's passed away like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and they still have on an anniversary of his passing, but get together and say things about him and talk about his learning, etc. Right. So usually they don't call it a hespid. A hespid is a certain kind of, of sharp crying and pain, and uh, it, t- it should take on a very different tone after the years pass. That's the, in other words, the, you're correct. In other words, we do, we do very much try to hang on and, and we have yard sites hundreds of years after you know, people have died. We still, we still remember them, but it's done in a different way. It's not the same as, as a hespit or the same as, a, um, in the same way. It's, it's a very interesting concept, I find, that, that uh, um, but he's saying it wouldn't have been, you're say, I guess you're asking it as a question. They still could have uh, um, had memorial speeches for sure, but not as sharply. So Rav Avram is saying that you have to make people cry, and so you can't do that. Right. You, can't, you can't get people to cry. You can get them to uh, try to learn from the deeds. or to, Yeah, I see. Okay, that's a good way. That, 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 that's an explanation. Okay. At any rate, he couldn't fix that. But the Givonim, they were still around, or some of them were. Let's call them and see what we need to do. He said, what can I do for you? I'll, you know, he offered them a million dollars, you know, reparations, whatever they wanted. What can we do? And uh, you'll be good. You'll bless the nation of Yom Lo Givonim. The Givonim said, we can't be bought. We don't want money. Now, the truth is they should have wanted money. Money was the problem, but they wouldn't accept money. What we're going to see is they were vengeful. They were vengeful, and that was what was my ish. We don't want a yitan lo shiva. Now, all we want is give us seven of Shol's descendants, and uh, we'll teach them a lesson. But who come leave Hashem, and we're going to string them up. Give us seven of the descendants of Shol, and uh, Shol didn't care about us, no matter how much we tried to get his attention. He didn't. He allowed us to starve, to, to die. Give us seven of his descendants, and we'll. Uh, that'll be enough. So to the point where they didn't. It didn't, but they didn't want to fix their kids that were starving. They didn't want to fix the fact that they didn't have sustenance. They wanted revenge against the house of Shaul. That was the only thing that would satisfy them. Now, David Melech Mephias tried to uh, do his best to convince them that they should be happy with whatever else he wanted. Velo Paisu. Didn't work. They wouldn't. 
they wouldn't accept anything else. Yeah. So Omar, so after this episode, the people took a look. Now they needed to, we needed to, uh, they, uh, we understood from the Orin Vitumim that we needed to do something to uh, make them happy. But uh, the, the problem is that it taught us something about them, that they were a nasty people. And, what? Cruel. Yeah, it was just cruel. Uh, yeah, not, it's worse than that. I mean, they, they wanted to string up these, uh, uh, the, the, first of all, it wasn't even sure it was Shul's kids, but to string them up and to leave them hanging there, it was like a totally different alien kind of foreign way of looking at things. They needed revenge no matter what. Um, this idea, there are people that take revenge even when it hurts themselves. Um, it, people pick up on that from our society, that they, they'll take revenge even though they'll get in big trouble and they'll mess up their own lives. And we're, that's totally alien to us. Uh, you have to think, you know, be sensible. You're, the purpose is to, to serve Hashem and things should be good. You don't, you know, you don't have to worry about getting somebody else back. Hashem's going to take care of them. <laughs> that's the, um, you know, that's not our thing. It's really not. Uh, revenge, vengeance, it belongs to Hashem. I mean, there, there's, there's some concept of revenge, but that, it's not a... So at any rate, there's the three simonim yesh ba'umazu. It's a famous Gemara. There's three signs of a Jew. Harachmanim. They take pity. They care about others. Vahabai shanim, and uh, they're embarrassed. They have a sense of busha. They have a sense of awareness. How could I do certain things? The gomach, and they do kindness. Rachmanim v'ksivin asn l'cha rachmichan, b'Hashem gave us rachim. V'yir becha. B'Hashem v'ksiv b'avur t'ye yiras Hashem al-panechem, the fear of Hashem is on our face. G'malach sanim v'ksiv l'man asher yitzav v'ezbanav ezbeso achrof. It's interesting. It says almost that he'll command his children to be kind. But it's, it's more understood that um, we'll be like Avram Avinu, we'll have the kindness of Avraham. Anybody who has these three temperaments, they could join the Jewish people. But this nation, these water carriers who have this cruelty, they, they, we, can't, we can't allow them to become part of us. And so David decreed that they could never convert. That was the, the rest of the story. Okay, now what actually happened? So David Amalek uh, took two of the sons of Shoal from the wife called Ritzba Basaya Shayodul Shoal, and he took Armonia Mipiboshes Achmesh Bene Michal Bashoal, and the five sons of Shoal Shayodul Adriel, then Barzil and Mukulasi. So he got seven of the sons together. But the Morris said, How did he pick? Shoal had more sons than that. Maishnahani, Omravuna Havim, Lene Arun. He stood them in front of the Arun. Now, I don't know what, the Gemara doesn't explain this. But he passed them in front of the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark grabbed them. If the Ark grabbed them, Lamisa, that's it. They were the ones who were going to be killed. Kol she'en Ark, the Ark didn't grab them, Lechaim. So I don't know what it means. Kol it usually means like held on to them. Uh, maybe it means when they saw the Ark, they like froze. You know, I, I don't know. It doesn't really, doesn't, uh, Rashi's unusually quiet over here. Doesn't doesn't say exactly what it means is the ark was cold at them. Uh, because they didn't, they, the ark didn't touch them, didn't grab them, but that cold it means like they couldn't move, so to speak. They, they grabbed them, but okay. It mentions that Yonason stunned. Mipi Boshis, uh, king took pity, and uh, so what do you mean he took pity? I thought he just said whoever the ark grabbed. The answer is Shalohavir. He didn't put him in the line. 
uh, in other words, the other, all the other descendants had to march in front of the ark and to figure out which seven were going to get given over to Gibonim. So the Lord says, I mean, that's not fair. I mean, if, the, if Hashem wanted the uh, Mephibosheth to be grabbed, then the ark would have grabbed him. He can't do that. What happened is, he did pass them in front, and the ark grabbed him. David for him, and he got out. So the Lord says, I mean, he should daven for everybody. He davened ahead of time that the orange shouldn't grab him, and so everybody saw that he wasn't meant to be included. Uh, so more succeeds. Lo yimusa avosal bani. Interesting is that David started out by saying that Bnei Yisrael are rachmanim by shanim, right? Mm-hmm. To show that he's being a rachamim over here. And as you just said, he davened uh, after the Aaron grabbed. He davened just like maybe with like with Avram Avinu, if he would have davened for all of like stone, he saw what happened. He tried. David could have davened for all of them even after the Aaron grabbed them, and maybe Hashem would have shut rach. So I understood that was the question. Uh, that uh, it, it, he he can't just daven for one; he should have daven for all, and so that's kind of what the Gemara was asking. Um, but uh, I'm not sure. I, I hear what you're saying. It, it doesn't sound like this was a complaint against David, uh, but uh, so that was what. Uh, but the Gemara has a different question over here. The, that this goes against the Torah concept that you never punish the kids for the sins of the father. So, in general, how could David should have put a stop to this and said to the Givonim, we can't give you, uh, it can't be that Hashem wants the kids to be punished over here for Shoal's sin. He said, he understood that he could ignore the concept of punishing the kids because it would be, that's still better than that there be a public chil Hashem. The idea that the Jewish people didn't uh, take care of this people, that was a stain on our reputation on that. And so even though it's not ideal that they punish the kids, even though that goes against the grain, it's th- it, the overriding factor here was that this nation uh, had, a, had a gripe against us. Now, uh, the, the Torah mentions, and we bring this down, that the mother wasn't real happy to see her kids hung uh, she did guard duty. And Vatika, uh, she took cloth and she put it over the bodies that were hanging there. And they were hanging there for a long time. And so she protected the bodies from the rain and from the elements and from the birds. Oh, she wouldn't let the birds go on. Day and night. Um, so that, that's what it mentions. The more it says, so it comes out, they hung these bodies up for many, many days and nights. That's also a Torah concept. We don't leave, we don't leave bodies hanging overnight. said the same teaching. Better to ignore that rule that there should be a Kiddush Hashem. People would pass by and they'd say, Why are those people hanging there? What are they doing there? The famous picture after World War II of, uh, of Mussolini you know, it was just like, with like head left hanging there for a long time. And it made an impression. Like, that's one of the famous, uh, somebody told me during the service. Was that you, Steve, that with Guggenheim was, that was, that, that was there at Mussolini's, uh, when he was hanging there? Did you tell me that? Somebody, it was there a long time. Uh, the, My father took the picture. Oh, your father took the picture? Really? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I see. I thought I remember that. But that's the, uh, but it made an impression on people to see, you know, the, 
And they did that on purpose. They wanted people to show, you know, fastest, you know, that, that, that there was vengeance. That's they, Yeah. I think the mistress was there too, but you didn't have that in the picture. Or, the, or maybe she was. I don't remember. But uh, but anyway, that was the... Uh, so the people would sit... What? She was there too? Okay. Oh, really? Okay. So um, my... So what was the people would ask? Why were these seven, uh, seven people hanging there? So people would say, "Bnei Malachim, they're princes. They're the, our royals, Jewish royals." So I said, "What did they do?" These people didn't stand up for these simple strangers. They didn't stand up for the illegal, the illegal aliens. They didn't take care of the gerim, the the people that came from afar. Wow, there's no greater people than this. They killed the royals because they did something wrong to the strangers. So, if, if this is what happens when royals misbehave, can you imagine if a regular Jew misbehaves? My game grew, and this is what happened to people who were, who were poor strangers. If somebody would harm a Jewish person, certainly. Miyad Nitfusau Yisrael Meiva Chamisha, 150,000 people converted at that time. It made such an impression that uh, Jewish people take care of those people, are, uh, there's justice. And that you can't harm, even the royals don't get away with it. And even the lowly class, they also get justice. The, How do we make the, make the connection that uh, this Gemara here is saying that these seven individuals had a hand in doing harm to the Gibonim. When before we said that uh, Shoal was being punished and that the Gibonim asked for descendants to meet out punishment, almost like a Sarhar of Yamalkus. I don't understand what the connection is between these seven. They might have even been alive at the time, but they would have been babies at the time. This would have right, so I think that's what the Gemara meant, the Musu Avus Albanim, that we normally don't punish kids for the sins of the father. And they conversation between the people who were observing the body saying why are these royals hanging because they did not show respect to the stranger they're saying that these seven individuals are being punished because of what they did they represented the house of Shoal. they were the remnant of the house of Shoal that hadn't uh, hadn't shown that yeah now you could say that maybe they could have um protested they could have done something they were they had some uh, you could you, you could think that, although it's hard to know how young they were, whether they could have said anything. Mipibosius um, was David's rebbe. He was actually pretty old at that time. It wasn't. In other words, you think seven children? Uh, no, it doesn't. They could. I, I don't know the ages. I don't know how how young they weren't necessarily kids. They might have been, you know, adults too. Uh, I'm not fully answering your question, but I, um, I I I would say I hear, but I think that was part of the previous objection. So uh, now, what, how do we know whatever happened with those converts? So the more it just fills us in, there's, there's the rest of the story. Uh, so it actually says in the times of David's son, uh, Shlomo was looking for, uh, for labor. And so we took those, uh, those 150 aliens that joined us. I'm not sure if they became 150,000. not sure if they were full Jews or part Jews, but... Uh, Shlomo needed labor for the building of the temple, the base of Migdash, and so he found the perfect uh, class to help him. So it says, He, he, he uh, drafted them and put them into uh, community service. 
How do we know that those were strangers? Maybe they were Yisrael. The more said, Yisrael, Shlomo Evid. Shlomo didn't turn the Jewish people into servants. You're not, kings aren't allowed, he wasn't allowed to do that. But the aliens who came to join us, he could. The more says, how do you know those were the converts? Maybe those were the Duzgers. The Duzgers were the, uh, the, the, uh, the just, were just workers. They were just hired workers. It didn't say where they came from. So the more says, it's from a different verse. He, he did a census. And it says he found, he found 150 foreigners and he made those foreigners. Now, it wasn't just like as a punishment. The Jews had farms. So the Jews had their farms to work. They, they weren't available. But these foreigners were people that came from foreign countries and weren't yet settled, so they, they were the perfect ones to uh, be put to national service. So that was the story. So that's uh, the end of the story. Now, more has a question. Do you mean to tell me David was the one who made the rules about them? Didn't Moshe Rabbeinu go to Moshe decreed they should be servants. The answer is Moshe goes to Lahudor. That, that generation that was sneaky, they were punished. But you can't punish future generations. David goes to the Kulidor. David said, no, that, not, not just then for always. Uh, once we saw what kind of nasty people they were, he decreed forever. The most of Akati Yeshua, but it mentioned Yeshua also. So the more answer, Yeshua goes to Bisman Shabbos Yeshua said that they connected them to the temple service. David goes to Bezman She'en Beis HaMikdash Kaim. David, even after the Beis HaMikdash uh, was destroyed, as we turn the page, be made Rebbe. Now, after the temple was gone, long gone, so we still had these people. Now, their role was to do service for the temple, and there was no temple. So Rebbe wanted to permit them, uh, wanted to permit them. So it's not, there's two opinions here what Rebbe wanted to do. One is that he wanted to permit them to come into the Jewish people, like let's let bygones be guyguns. Most people don't learn that, but he, most people learn that he wanted to free them because there was no more work to do. So, Omer Laham Rebbe, Kalkenu Nater, Kalk Mizbeach Miyater. So, part of their work was for the temple and part of the work was for the community. So, we no longer were needed them. We can forgive them what we have, but who said that they were forgiven from that? So they were kind of, their status was kept as slaves. He said, no, what the congregation is always us. The part that went to the Mizbeach, when the temple was standing, they had to work for the temple. But when the Mizbeach was not here, it was permitted. The question was, was, what needed to be done about the fact that they uh, had dedicated themselves or were required to dedicate themselves to the temple. What, what was needed to be done to resolve their status? Okay, moving on, back to Yevamos. Omer of Yeshua. Getting back, uh, so what about the, uh, the brother uh, whose brother died without children? And he's a sris. He's a, uh, a person who can't have kids. Uh, so Omer of Yeshua, he says, Shemati sris cholitz. I heard that he should give chalitza. And if he was the one that died, then his wife gets chalitza. And then I heard that he's not allowed to, he doesn't need to give chalitza. And if he was the brother that died, his wife doesn't need chalitza. Only the farsh. That's a contradiction. Does the, um, uh, does the uh, person who can't have kids, what, what is he called? Um, what do we call a sris? 
sterile, a eunuch. A eunuch a uh, I need a nice word for this, the sterile, okay. A eunuch. Well, a eunuch. <laughs> he said a eunuch, okay. It's not just sterile, sterile, the parts are there, but... Uh, so we don't know. So, so we heard that one kind of sterile person could have chalitza, and his wife gets chalitza if it's, he's the one that died, and one can't. But I don't know how to explain it. So that's the mystery. So I could explain this. There's two kinds of steriles. Sterile Adam, there's one that some mankind did something to him. Uh, could be an accident or a surgery that made him sterile. So he was a person who really um, originally had the ability to have children, so, so his, uh, he can give chalitza, and his wife should give chalitza. He was in the parsha. He just, uh, at some point, um, something happened. Sris Chama, somebody who was sterile from the sun. Uh, that means that from nature. They were just born that way. So, they don't give. They were never in the parsha of having kids or being able to. That's Rabbi Kiva's answer. Elazar says, no, he disagreed. He says exactly the opposite. He says, if they were born that way, it was natural. So, they can give chalitza and their wife can. You know, maybe there's some way to heal it. The parts are there. Uh, they just don't work. So, we'll get medicine. We'll figure it out. But if man, like, cut something off, uh, you know, once a person loses his testicles, there's not much you could do. I mean, it's a you can't heal that. Or if the person uh, climbed down the tree and got stuff stuck in that, you know, whatever, those are things that can't be healed. So we'll have to see that arguing tomorrow. It's funny, Mr. Magus. Ben Magus. Ben Magusis. Uh, there was a guy named Ben Magusis in Yushalayim. Sris Adam. Uh, something happened to him. Uh, maybe he was in a battle, and they 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 cut. They you know got they got him below the belt, and v'yav mesishto. And when he died, they did yibam the kaim di Rebbe Kiva, like Rebbe Kiva, since he he originally could have children. When you think about it, it means that they they did. The idea was that they they were put in the world in a stage where they could have had a family. So there is a mitzvah for the brother to do something to. Uh, to fix that soul that originally was given. Now, by the time the guy died, he couldn't have had a kid because he, you know, he lost his uh, whatever. But uh, that, that, according to that, that's that view. Sris, uh, uh, so he did. Uh, he actually had yibam, but we'll see about that in the Gemara. The question is going to be: Our Gemara just mentions chalitza, uh, but not yibam. And it sounds like here that they actually did yibam. Okay, hasris lo The sris himself shouldn't do chalitza yibam, but can islandess. Now what about if it's her? The islandess is the woman who's who's sterile. Lo chotzim lomizanita. Hasris shechotzimto. Now what happens if the Sris didn't know it, or maybe he didn't know he was a Sris, and he gave her chalitza, lo poslo, uh, uh, he doesn't make her invalid. Basically it's not a good chalitza. Bola, but if he had relations with her puzzle, that would make her invalid. Vineshi balasnus, because he had no mitzvah to be with her. In fact, since he had no mitzvah to be with her because he was unable to, uh, to keep his brother's name alive, the whole idea was that he was going to take over his brother's marriage to have a kid for the deceased brother, and he wasn't capable of doing that. So for him, it was still his brother's wife, who he's not allowed to have relations with. That's called the relation of znus. So he actually did a sin. 
or if she can't have kids, if they did chalitza, that doesn't do harm. But Bola, if they had relations, that would. And this was something we had at the beginning of the Mesechta, when the, uh, the, the uh, brother or his wife were incapable of having children, there's no house to build. And so there's really no mitzvah, and there's a sin to try to marry her from the brother, because they, um, there never was the, the, uh, uh, the chance of, of rebuilding that house. Let's see the Gemara. Rabbi Kiva, we already heard earlier that if you're not allowed to marry someone, it's a chayve lavin, it, that's like chayve krisis, that there's no, there's no mitzvah at all. The chayve krisis, and if a, a person uh, can't marry the other person because it's forbidden, so there's no chalitza yibam. So why is there even chalitza over here? So, the case was that his brother was married to a convert. And so, and therefore, uh, and he held that the, uh, a person who was sterile was allowed to marry a convert. So, um, uh, therefore, that marriage was a legal marriage. So the Morris says, So then why can't there be even? Uh, if the, if the, uh, um, if that was, uh, that would have been legal. So Morris says, yeah, you're right. There could have been Yibam. And since Rabbi Yeshua was talking about Chalitza, he also stuck to Chalitza. But actually there could be Yibam. He said about Mr. Magusis that in Yishalayim, that Sris Adam, that he was a eunuch for Yivam Esishto, and they gave his wife Yivam Lakhaim to Rebbe Kiva, like Rebbe Kiva. That uh, again, our, our question was: if he was sterile, he wasn't allowed to be married to his wife, and if he wasn't allowed to be married to his wife, then how could there be a mitzvah? And our answer was: his wife was a convert, and the marriage was legit, and therefore, according to Rebbe Kiva, the Yivam was also legit. Mesiv Rava, what do you mean the Yivam was legit? He learned if the person's, the man's missing the parts, or he's too old. He, um, so he can do chalitza or yibim, ketzat. How does that work? Mesu lehem nashim. If the brothers died and they left wise, ulehem achim. And there's brothers, amde achim v'osu maimon u'shaseim. And their brothers made a maimon, or they made a get, osha chotzu maisha osu asu. If they did it, it worked. V'im bolu kanu, and if they did yibim, it works. Mesu achim. Now, if the um, if the brothers died, v'amdu uh, hein, this is the uh, the other way around. Uh, the first case was mesu; they died, and the ones who were the eunuchs died, and then their wives were alive, and to the wives they made yibim chalitzu. Now, this case is where their brothers died, uh, and they were the ones who were eunuchs. Now, if they did marry them, it worked, but they're not allowed to stay married. They're not allowed to stay married because since they're barren, they can't be married to a Jewish woman. We, we see we're talking about a regular marriage. So we're confused here um, about this halacha that you, a person who's missing the parts isn't supposed to be part of a regular marriage. So how does Yimur Chalitza take place here? It must be that originally their brother died and they weren't a eunuch. And then before they got to do Yimur Chalitza, they got injured. 
And so uh, that's the, so they got the mitzvah to do chalitza. The injury doesn't take off the mitzvah to do chalitza. But shouldn't the injury uh, push off the mitzvah of yibam? Milo tanan, didn't we learn? If she opts out of the marriage, she did. Um, over there, we're talking about where the uh, one of the wives was a minor, and uh, she wait until she gets older, and the marriage co- turns into a Torah marriage. Uh, the, and what happened was the um, her husband's brother was married to her sister. And so she was married rabbinically to her husband. And we say, wait till she gets older. Alma, but when she gets older, asi iser achos isha, then the fact that she's married to her, um, uh, her, uh, the, 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 it'll, she, the, the, what happened is again that there's two brothers and they're both married to two sisters. And one of the brothers was married to the sister as a minor. So the marriage wasn't Minatora. And then the brother that was married to the sister as a minor died. And now his brother, uh, the question was, doing Yibam to his wife's sister, um, so he can't marry his wife's sister. On the other hand, the question was, there was a need to do Yibam, so he should wait until she's older, and then there'll be no need to do Yibam. So uh, basically, we, uh, why don't we say, uh, so basically we don't say, uh, Alma, what do we see from that story? Asi Isser Achos Isha, over there, the fact that it's forbidden pushes off the Yibam. So here also, Hachanami, Naisi Isser Petsua Daka Venidka. The bottom line question is once he's sterile, that should, uh, we shouldn't be talking about Yibam. So we said that Yibam doesn't start if he's sterile. So we said he wasn't sterile in the beginning, he became sterile in the middle. But, uh, so he did have the mitzvah, but still. Once he becomes sterile, that should stop everything. El Omer Yosef, Haitana Haktana. This must be a different opinion. And that's Revi Kiva, Mamzer. He says that when the type of thing that's forbidden has to do with a forbidden relative, that creates a Mamzer, even though it's Chaivelavin. But Chaivelavin greater, Lo Have Mamzer. But just a plain no no won't make a Mamzer. Um, so basically the fact that a woman really shouldn't be married to a man who can't have a child, that's not, that's only not ideal, but it's not totally forbidden. So that's why in this case, if they had done Yibam, it worked. Yeah, but what about bringing the brother's name alive? And this person can never bring the brother's name alive. So Amaravi, Im Kane, Rav has an interesting svara. He says, there never will be a woman who you could do Yibam to. When somebody dies, um, an hour before they die, they're sterile. I mean, when they're in the hospital bed there, and they're, they're half out of this world, their wife at that point has a husband who would be incapable of making them get pregnant. So, He's asking, how could you ever really, if you're going to say that if the fact that the man was un- incapable of producing a child is going to take away Yibam, then every, most cases of Yibam, the, uh, before they die, they've lost their ability to get their wife pregnant anymore. Why would they use that little piece of time 
to retroactively negate a Yibam. Well, wouldn't the mitzvah start at the moment after they die? We said, well... So, right, so we're saying, how do you judge whether they had a house to build? Do you judge at one time there was a house to build, then there'll be a mitzvah of Chalitza? Or do you say, well, let's look at the moment he died, was he in shape to get his wife pregnant? Or was she capable of bearing a child at that point? Does it go by the overall state of the... Because again, a lot of women, maybe at that stage of their life, they can no longer have a child. So is there a mitzvah of Yivu Chalitza? So what's the deal here? So, Lurlozer Pircha de Rav, Kodal Isasa, Lurlozer Pircha de Rav Pircha. Um, he said he answered that question. The person isn't a eunuch when he's dying. He's just weak. Um, so that's not a question. Oh, the, if a person totally loses the parts, that's different. Then the mitzvah yibam falls off. So we're not. We, we're going to have to fully finish this uh, discussion tomorrow. Uh, but uh, w- w- whether one side is incapable of, of having a child, how that affects the mitzvah of